There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to the Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Professionally, Susan Gold became known for attaching celebrity talent to projects in New York, which led her to produce for television and film and on to Los Angeles. She worked with stars such as Andy Warhol, Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Taylor Swift, David Beckham and many more. After living on both coasts of the United States, Susan headed for a quieter life and now resides in Montana. Keen on leaving a legacy to help others heal from challenges she successfully met, her book Toxic Family Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom is part of that quest. With the same magic Susan created in her entertainment career, she is now leading retreats, webinars, workshops and private sessions to help others drop outdated storylines and programming in exchange for living from the heart in authentic freedom as adults. Welcome, Susan, to The Ethical Evolution. Bindi, it's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me and thanks for what you're doing. Well, thank you. You're joining us all the way from Montana, beautiful Montana. Um, for those who don't know who you are and what you do, can you go ahead and tell us? Sure. So my name is Susan Gold, and I'm a recovering television producer. <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a new author. I have a book coming out this year, my first book. And um, I am helping people transform trauma into opportunity. Mm. We're so on the same page already, Susan. You know, um, I'm all about turning pain into purpose. So um, I'm sure this is going to be an amazing conversation. Now, let's just step back a minute and talk about your past as a television producer. I mean, you've done a lot of work with celebrities. How on earth did you get into that? Well, I kind of just stumbled. Um, (laughs) I always hoped growing up on my belly, on my beanbag chair in the basement, watching Barbara Walters. And, (laughs) you know, I wanted to just get to New York City. I lived in a very rural town in the middle of Pennsylvania, in the middle of five kids and two crazy adults. They were doing the best they could, but I just couldn't wait to get out of this little town. And I wanted to go straight to New York City. Um, And I just about did. I went to school in Ohio and wiggled my way out my junior year with an internship. It wasn't hip then. You really had to negotiate to get your way out. Mm -hmm. And I created an arts management internship and went to New York City. And I ended up getting a a position in New York City after um, I got out of college And um, I trained 
people on, on the side. And Barbara Walters actually became a client of mine. Get out of town. Uh, yeah, she really <laughs> was. She was she was wonderful. She was super supportive. Um, maybe I'll share a little bit of that later in the story. But back to how I got into celebrity endorsements, I started in the classical division of a really large global talent agency called International Creative Management. That was my first job out of school. Um, and I wanted to get upstairs to the 18th floor where all the celebrities were, you know, all the movie stars and all the musicians. And I did. I worked for the head of the commercial division and he was doing celebrity endorsements. And he left quickly um, very soon after I joined him and asked me to come along. So we worked out of a studio apartment and I was privy to neg talent negotiations way before I would have ever been having been a desk assistant at a big global talent agency. So I was really fortunate. Um, and one thing led to the other and I ended up going off on my own and I just had a skill set for attaching talent to projects that they might not otherwise done. Um, my first deal in my own agency was for Donnie Deutsch, who was running his dad's ad agency then. Donnie's a bit of a celebrity here in the States. Um, he's an entrepreneur and he's not, he's on a bunch of shows. But anyway, he wanted Andy Warhol mm. to endorse Tri-State Pontiac dealers, one of his clients. And he asked me, do you think you can do it? And I'm like, oh, I'll try. So I couldn't get anybody to pick up at the factory. I literally took the subway down, <laughs> knocked on the factory door, and Andy's uh, business manager, Fred, opened the door. And I just told him why I was there. And he said, come back tomorrow, same time. I'll let you talk to Andy. Wow. And I did. <laughs> knocked on the door the next day, same time, like all dressed, sweating bullets. And Fred let me into the foyer where I sat and I waited and I waited and I waited. I wasn't sure, you know, what was going to happen or not. And all of a sudden he opened these double doors and he said, Andy, we'll see you now. And I went into his art studio and there were these like pinpoint spotlights and three pugs running around on, <laughs> on the floor. And there was Andy, you know, his hair going all different directions and like penciling, penciling with a pin spotlight down on his Penciling. So I'm there and I'm telling him why I'm there and why he should do this spot. And he's not listening. There's no connection. And I'm like, oh, I'm bombing big time. And the dogs were like jumping up and down, like out of his um, hands. And he'd cuddle them. It was all about the dogs. It was not about me for sure. And then finally he just stopped and he said, Now, really, tell me, why should I do this? And I said, Because you can have the pugs in the shot with you. And it was just silent. Then I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know if that's really true. But and he goes, he looked at me, looked at the dogs, he looked at me and he goes, okay, I'll do it. Wow. That was my first deal. <laughs> <laughs> my own business. Um, and it just sort of mushroomed from there. I just sort of developed a name for doing that. And it led me into television producing. And it actually led me out to LA, where I mostly worked in reality TV. Um, I had a feature film set up with Owen Wilson at one point. Um, and I really loved the whole bit of it until it just got too painful. Mm -hmm. Reality TV just was a little too gnarly for my system. Um, and I was the breadwinner. So mm. I sort of backed away and morphed into PR. And that's that's the kind of consulting I've done up until now. Yeah. Amazing. And, you know, I, I've i had a background in radio um, as well. And, you know, I've interviewed many um, musicians and, you know, that I never thought I would ever speak to. Um, 
you know, for you, no doubt, the celebrities that you dealt with, did you ever, like, get starstruck? You know, it's interesting. I get starstruck with real people. (laughs) More than celebrities. Like, I remember I was on a show and it was everybody who was anybody in the Hollywood industry. And we had Vince Vaughn stuff in the trailer and George Clooney was coming in. And George Clooney was early and Vince was running late. So I had literally go in and rip Vince's clothes out of the trailer <laughs> and his belongings and into his car and then greet George and escort him in. I, I really didn't have a lot of, I mean, I just felt like they're, they're real people yeah. just like me. They have to pull their pants on one leg at a time in public. So it's kind of more painful. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, and and then I just was around them so much by the nature of what I did. Um, but I I feel very fortunate and blessed that I had that experience to see it close up for for what it really is. Mm. I mean, I, I know I didn't get starstruck until it was like in in a real life situation where I ran into like I was the biggest fan of this singer, and I ended up in a lift with them, and I could not I could not speak. I was just like what is going on? Um, I froze. I was just like, do I talk? Do I talk? Do I talk? And I was just, I shut up. I, I had froze to the point where I just, I couldn't speak. I was like, no, just walk away, walk away. Don't make an idiot of yourself, walk away. Um, so it's, it's funny when that happens, but you know, um, I, I don't know why, um, it, it does happen, but yeah, I've spoken to so many people and like the connections that you can have with these celebrities as well that you don't expect. It's it's pretty mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember Orlando Bloom, my my elevator story. I'd just run the LA Marathon and had to go do a film junket for AMC. So I was going down in the elevator and it stopped and the doors opened and Orlando Bloom got on the elevator because he had just done the same junk, junket. And... Um, I said, wow, what a busy day, you know, it's been incredible. And he goes, we're so blessed mm. to be able to do what we do. And it was such a genuine human connection. It was so lovely and unsolicited. Um, and that's such a, a, a cool story to share because, you know, a lot of celebrities, no doubt, would probably not be in that kind of mindset, you know, they they'd probably be like oh man I gotta do this shit again you know it's like instead of being grateful for the life that they have yeah Mm. yeah so step forward to today um and so what are you up to now aside from the book (laughs) well it was an interesting ride from New York City for decade to LA for a couple of decades and now to feel the pull out to to Montana um, I'm in a very rural, quiet place, and I feel like I am living heaven on earth. Mm. And I feel like it's a gift. I mean, I really had tremendous experiences. Um, I grew up in a really tough environment, and I carried a lot of beliefs with me that were hard-earned and perhaps misaligned. I had to face a lot of really tough things, addiction being one of them. I've been clean for decades, but that was the first thing I had to face. And then I had to look at abusive relationships. I had to look at clinical depressions. 
Um, and I worked on my own most of my career. So that was also daunting. I didn't have a community or, of a corporation around me, which I think is actually a blessing looking back. Um, but it's been bliss to let go of all of that pain. It's it's embroidered in the fabric of my being like a beautiful brocade now. Mm. Um, and I've done a lot of work around it to see it that way. Um, probably one of the biggest heart cracking lessons of that was when I, when I went to LA, I really feel I was going there unbeknownst to me to meet one of my biggest gurus who was um, to become my husband, now my ex-husband, because I woke up to a very narcissistic relationship and didn't understand that I was a super empath Mm. and taking on all that energy. So I had to work my way through that and actually go through a divorce from someone that I love, but couldn't help and couldn't um, care for anymore because I was literally being drained. So I came through that. I was a single mom for several years. My son was finally in college. I didn't think that I was going to leave the state of California until he was graduated. Um, But the pull became more clear. That voice became more clear. So I I looked around at a few states. I I, Montana wasn't even on the bucket list. Mm. A wonderful teacher that I know was was here. um, And my partner had been here. Um, So I came in mid-January because I didn't want any delusions in in the snow and the ice. Mm. And it was was magical, Bindi. It was like if I could go to Brigadoon or Camelot or, you know, Lost Horizon, it would be where I am in Montana. I mean, I'm surrounded by mountains and it's Canadian Rockies behind me. Mm. And it's just it looks like Scotland in front of me. And it's just um, beautiful. And it's a place to heal, Mm. to to bring out this book um, and to reach others on a heartfelt basis to really say, hey, I've been through a lot. Like you're going through a lot. I've had a lot of pain. I'm not feeling that pain anymore. I see how all the parts of the puzzle come together Mm. and the beauty of all those experiences, like going back from my childhood and the the arrangement of the family characters and all of it. Mm. And I believe that's, that's what's happening to me here in Montana. And I'd also like to share this beautiful place with others. So I mm. plan to have, you know, live events and retreats and workshops so other people can come and like be immersed in this beauty. It's like Sedona, Arizona before it got, you know, mm. <laughs> And it's funny, you know, um, there's there's something, well, it is healing in nature. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that, if you're in that stage in your life, um, and you may go through it several times, depending on what you've been through, um, <laughs> when you're in that state of of healing and rebuilding, um, spending time in nature is is just so healing. I know. Um, years ago, I went um, down to Tasmania um, in. Um, cradle mountain in the wilderness and I had this little cabin in the woods and like you could look out and see all like the little um you know marsupials and stuff running around and you know just deep in the woods and it was so quiet and it was so cold and it was just there was no one else around and you know you could actually just listen to yourself 
you know, that space to just listen to you and to connect with nature and to just breathe some clean air, you know, um, that I, I will never forget that time. It was just so healing. And, and I, no doubt it's exactly like that there in Montana. It, it breathes that. Mm. I mean, my intention most mornings is to live heaven on earth. Mm. And then I go outside my door and it's reflected back to me. It's just, it's miraculous. And there's no accident Mm. that I'm here in this tiny little town. No accident. Mm. So your book, um, tell us about that. So is that, is that pretty much a memoir for you? Thanks for asking. It is. Um, and I'm hoping by sharing my life experience, other people may resonate or it may trigger some emotional response. Um, and that, People can see what I've been through and that may reflect positively that they can get through whatever they're through. I've been told, Bindi, like so often I had a book to write um, and by mystics and seers and psychics and tarot card readers, (laughs) just kept pushing it away and pushing it away. Oh, I don't really have that much to say. Oh, my life is not really that interesting. It's not really that unusual. And and finally, like... (laughs) the the big weight fell on my head and I woke up and I was like, oh yeah, I really have to write this. And of course I started out like that traditional producer, like the bulldozer, yeah. bulldog, 15 minutes at the desk a day, no matter what. <laughs> da, da, da. You know, and I had this, I had this template, I had this, this structure, but it didn't really feel heartfelt. Mm. I didn't feel the connection. And a great mentor made the suggestion go through it again, write it from little Susie's point of view, that little Mm. piece of heaven inside your own heart, write it from her point of view. And it shifted the whole thing. It became magical. I I feel so proud of all that I've lived through. I feel proud of all the beings that have played the parts that they have Mm. in my life to propel me forward to face some of my deepest fears and to realize the beauty and the power that's within that can radiate out and that we're all one. Mm. Oh man, that's where we resonate so much right now. Um, You're not going to believe this, but just this week, this week, um, I, I interviewed someone, oh, I think it was last weekend. And the connection that we had was like, we were instant besties and like we chatted for an hour and a half. <laughs> it was like, um, I was like, we don't want to go. We want to keep talking. And anyway, um, they also have a show and uh, want me on their show. And I was like, what do you want me for, you know? And they were like, you really need to tell your story. And I was like, because eh, I'm so used to getting the stories out of other people that I don't tell my own, but that's how I resonate with so many people. So I sat down on Monday and I started to write because I too have had so many people say to me, you'll write a book one day. I'm like, nah, what do I want to do that for? Um, but, you know, I get asked to go on so many shows and tell my story and share my lessons and I'm like, well, maybe I should, you know, formalise this a little more and, and, and actually put it out there. So I've got a whole plan. It just flowed through me and it just started coming out. And I was like, you know, and you probably experienced the same thing is when you try to tell that story, there's so many things you block, you've blocked out from your memory over the years. And when you start to go back down that memory lane, you're like, oh yeah, that happened. (laughs) 
and you're like, I'd forgotten about that or I'd, I'd tucked that away because I didn't want to bring that back out again. Um, that really came out for me. I was like, all right, we might just take a break for a little bit. <laughs> so I don't know whether you went through the same thing. Well, I, well, first off, I just want to acknowledge your calling and I'm so grateful you're following it. And you do have a lot to say. And I know you're an interviewer. I can tell because I listened <laughs> to, to other episodes. And then I also listened to a very early episode when you were interviewed and you were quite mum. <laughs> but I know you have so much to say. And, yeah. and people accuse me of that as well. I love to sit down and like ask you a million questions. And then you think you're my best friend and I just leave and you know nothing about me. Um, but um, so... I was afraid. I had done so much work. I can't even tell you how many modalities and mm. therapies and that I've been through. I find somatic work works the best for me rather than the talk, which mm. just serves to reinvigorate the trauma. That yeah. I think the talk was initially very helpful, but ultimately with the talk, I found myself right back to square one where I was playing out the same traumas. So um, the thought of writing the book was not appealing for that reason. Um, and then I was encouraged that I didn't have to reveal the grit, nitty gritty details because um, mm. some of them are quite <laughs> unpleasant. Mm. Um, but that I could just share from the heart what I what I felt compelled to share. Um, and I don't care if nobody sees the book because... It was such a gift to see my life laid out before me and to see all I've walked through. And there's mm. been fire, but that I stood up, I met it. I said, okay, I embrace it. I welcomed it ultimately as a soul experience and evolution of my soul and the shifting of traditions and bloodlines that go way back. Mm. Um, and, and I'm so proud of myself. Mm. I'm so proud. And it's such a, like, you know, writing is such a healing thing and it's something that I've talked to a lot about on on this show with different people who've actually used writing as a, as a therapy and a healing and now they teach other people to do it um, because, you know, it's engaging that other part of your brain that you don't normally use. Um, it's getting you creative. It's also um, getting what's on the inside out. Um, and you're unloading all of this stuff, um, but it doesn't re-traumatize you in the same way talk therapy might. Um, so, you know, I find journaling so therapeutic and and and, and writing in, in any way. Um, I mean, I no doubt that's been a big piece of your therapy too. Oh, for sure. And I think there's power in storytelling. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember sitting on my grandma's porch at her boarding house at the shore. It was second floor, rockers all across the porch. And there were cars below going down the avenue. And everybody be telling their stories. And I'd just be riveted. And it's the same thing when I told mine. I didn't know that I had this rich brocade of story within me. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Mm. And yeah, I, I had exactly the same thing. I was like, nah, nobody wants to hear my story. And then, you know, I've actually, I don't know whether you've listened to it, but I, my um, first podcast was uh, where I actually told my story in a, in a snapshot at that point in time. And um, even just going back and listening to that is, you know, that was like 
four years ago, five years ago now. Um, so much has happened in the last five years. And I look back on that and I just go, wow, you know, when I put that out, I was, I was freaking out. I was like, if people listen to this? And you know what? No one came after me. No one, you know. And I, that's why, you know, from that moment on I went, you know, just tell your truth, you know, get out there, tell your truth. It is, it is scary. Um, and it, it can, it can feel vulnerable. Um, I will share that I had a very different title to the book. Um, and the publisher came up with the title now, which is toxic family, um, transforming childhood trauma into adult freedom. Mm. And when they suggested that title, it took me about two weeks to process it. I mean, so much came up. I'm betraying my family. How could I throw my family under the bus? Mm. How could I find my family toxic? And really, they called me on it. Like, my family was toxic. It just, it just was. Mm. It, you know, the people played their roles. And, and, and I love them. I love them. And I realized there's no shame in it. I'm not throwing them under the bus. I'm not accusing them. And that this may be the instrument for truth and integrity and true dialogue revealed within our family system for true healing. It Mm. could be. And that's that's one of the things that I'm struggling with at the moment because I know I've only just started to write and – you know, there's been so many, and I'm going to call them characters, um, that have come in and out of my life. And you're kind of like, do you give them the privacy and an anonymity or do you actually lay it bare? Um, I, I'm kind of like, mm, I think I want to, you know, just gloss over the detail and some of this stuff because I think, you know, for both of our sakes, you need a level of privacy to a degree, but it's it's a hard decision to make. Do you go all the way and double down on your truth or do you go, hang on, there's some things I do need to hold sacred? Yeah, and I think I think that's also part of the process mm. to respect yourself and your journey. And that if you're not comfortable exposing a piece of it, you don't expose that piece of it. Mm. Um, maybe down the road, there's another book. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been told I have three. Oh, three. <laughs> oh. So did you did you find it a hard slog or, or was like once you got the momentum, did you just keep going? Um, so I, I did it in bits and pieces because I had a move in the middle of it, um, which was quite intense. Um, but after I got over that, you must sit down for 15 minutes. And then someone else suggested, you know, why don't you just write when you feel moved? Mm, yeah. Once I got the first pass down and then I read through it from audio. So listening to it, listening mm. to yourself, speak your own words, tell your own story was incredibly helpful. Mm. And then I could go back and then I started sharing chapters and getting some feedback from people. And then I think the final, but the final pass was writing from that, that still small voice, that inner child, mm. you know, little Susie had been through it, writing from her perspective. Um, that was the easiest actually. Mm. And I I felt I had closure. 
And that's interesting that you say that, you know, like reading it out and hearing you tell your own story, like that podcast episode that I did, like going through it again and speaking that out because back in the day I used to like script everything. Um, Now I just go with the flow. Um, But back then I used to script everything and I can remember reading that script in my little microphone back in the days and um, I I, I got to the point where I got emotional. Like, you know, I, I, I had to stop recording because I wanted to cry. And, mm. and, you know, that's, that's all part of the story. Like, did you experience the same thing? Well, there were days that I just had to pull up a blanket yeah. on the sofa and just allow myself to breathe and be. Mm. Um, there was a lot of shifting. My son was going off to college. I had a, a relationship in my life for the first time in seven years. Um, I was thinking of moving. And I thought I'd never leave Southern California. So there were there were a lot of things going on. And then I physically did decide to make the move and physically had to do everything that that entails. And um, so I don't know how I did it emotionally mm. with all that stuff going on, because there were times when I was like, maybe I'm not strong enough to really go, go through this and write it down and, and make it public. It, it takes courage. It definitely does. I see why people put it off. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's incredible because I think, you know, and I think the benefit of us telling our stories is to help people see they're not alone, you know? Um, and like you said, like we are one and that if someone else is going down this path, maybe the lessons we've learned can help them get there quicker. That's what I'm hoping. And I think that's the beauty. And I think more and more of that is happening. Mm. I remember going to 12 step meetings, you know, decades ago. And the first one I went to for family issues, it was called Adult Children of Alcoholics. There are a group of like 11 of us sitting around this conference, this circular conference table, and they were telling stories of things that happened in my house. Like mm. I was, this was shocking. Mm. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't say these things, let alone, but I think we've come a long way since then. Um, and I think that we're more willing to reveal the imperfections and more, we're more willing to see that we're here to help each other. Yeah, there's so much value in in sharing those stories and and sharing those learnings. Um, I, one of the other shows I do with a um, a psychologist from LA, there's uh, <laughs> oftentimes she'll be like explaining a particular you know psychological story, and I'll be like, oh that happened to me, you know? Um, and you'd be like, you just have these aha moments where you get like, oh, so that's what's been going on all this time. Yeah. 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 Like like with the, the narcissistic abuse, mm. I didn't even understand what the word narcissist meant mm. until I was pretty close to the end of my marriage and happened to Google the word and went, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. You know, the word, the word alcoholic, you know, my father would open the dry sink door at 730 in the morning and pop the cork and you'd hear, blub, 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 you know, so he could reinforce himself for his day at, at the school teaching. I just, you know, I, I heard the word alcoholic, but I didn't think it would impact me at all or mm. 
being in, involved with an alcoholic would have any real do any real damage. Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> It's it's amazing what we learn, and, mm. and what happens after it. Um, now you know, Susan. If people want to grab a hold of the book and, and find out more and get in touch with you, where can they go? Well, thank you for asking. So, if they go to susangold.us, um, you'll sign up for the email list. You'll get the the audio of the first couple of pages. See if you like it. You can always unsubscribe, but that's how I'm keeping people updated. Mm-hmm. Um, the book should come out in March of 2023, so I'm told. Um, but you'll be on the email list and you'll you'll be updated regularly. Oh, not far away. It's not far away. Mm-hmm. It's happening. <laughs> no going back, Bindi. <laughs> Now, you know, you I can I can tell you're a fan of the show, so you've probably heard this question I don't know how many times, but I'm gonna ask you, what's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? So I would really love to see people embrace their experience, their painful experience as a present, and to know and trust that if you have the courage to go through it, you're going to see the gift you will see it and it will help your soul grow. And there are people here that will help you through it. So that's, that would be it, Bindi. Incredible. And I'm not surprised by your answer either. (laughs) Look, it has been an absolute joy chatting to you, Susan. Thank you so much for being a part of the ethical evolution. Bindi, thanks for having me. Thanks for continuing on doing what you're doing. And I look forward to listening to more episodes. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast.